The following audio is from Bayside Baptist Church. More information about Bayside Baptist Church is available at www.baysidebc.org. My name is John. I'm pastor here. Glad you're with us. We're going to open our Bibles now to Ecclesiastes. If you're our guest, we're spending about nine weeks in Ecclesiastes. We're still in chapter 1. Ecclesiastes is in the Old Testament. I would open my Bible to the middle. You'll probably be in the Psalms and then move to the right. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. And we're going to read um, most of chapter 1 and all of chapter 2. This is the longest passage we'll look at. Uh, So this is the longest sermon I'll preach for the next nine weeks. So, you you know, it's a great day to come to church. Uh, And, um, yeah. So if you're our guest, thank you. Ecclesiastes 1, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our Lord, it stands forever. And uh, it says in verse 12, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given the children of man to be busy with. Because I've seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I've acquired great wisdom. I've surpassed all who were, who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a striving after wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Chapter 2. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, pay attention. This also was vanity. I said of laughter, it's mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. With my heart still guiding me with wisdom. He didn't get trashed. He didn't get drunk. He, he, he just simply enjoyed the wine and had a good time. My heart still guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I I bought male and female slaves, and I had slaves who were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I I got singers, both men and women, Many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem, and my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil and all my hard work, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what's been done before. 
Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, and there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to them all. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will also happen to me. Why then have I been so very wise? I said in my heart that this also is vanity, for the for of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after wind. I hated all my hard work in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he'll be wise or a fool. Yet he'll be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also was vanity. And so I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has worked so hard with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not work for it. This also was vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. Verse 24. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw was from the hand of God. For apart from God, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to the one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving, a striving after the wind. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, make us to know your ways. Lead us in your wisdom and truth. Lead us to happiness in you. God, lead us to the place where we can give thanks for your good gifts and we can enjoy the life that you've given us. In your holy name I pray. Amen. Blaise Pascal was a 17th century philosopher and uh, we, we have kind of a journal of his. It's really just random thoughts or, or, or fragments of his thoughts. And, uh, but he says some, some great things. He says, we desire truth and find in ourselves nothing but uncertainty. We desire truth, but we find in ourselves, in our hearts, nothing but uncertainty. We seek happiness and find only wretchedness and death. We are incapable of not desiring truth and happiness and incapable of either certainty or happiness. I mean, truth, our, our, our head's food, happiness, our heart's food are two things that everyone wants. And, and not in crumbs, but in great loaves, not in raindrops, but in waves. And yet these are the two things that no one gets except in little crumbs and droplets. Pascal argues, we, we all desire truth. All men and women seek happiness. This is without exception. Another philosopher reminds us, you can't always get what you want. And I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> this is what we find in Ecclesiastes. 
This is the struggle that we just read. This section continues to reiterate that main point. Behold, all is vanity, a striving after the wind. It goes all the way through Ecclesiastes. And so all is vanity. It's a striving after the wind. And we try to... um, we try to define the Hebrew word here, hevel, as vanity, or maybe your translation says meaningless, and we're trying to define it, but the preacher is not trying to define our experience. He's describing life. He's describing life as a mist, a vapor, a puff of wind, a bit of smoke. That so much of what we think will make us happy in this life it's, it's like smoke. It, it appears solid. It's real. It's there. But when you try to grab onto it, when you try to hold on to it, it slips away. So all of life is hevel, smoke, the king says. So in chapter 2, he says, I gave my whole self, I gave my heart. You probably heard the word heart over and over again. I gave my whole self, I gave my heart to see what is good in this life. And heart's another word picture. The preacher uses heart 14 times in this section, 33 times in the book. So almost half of, half of this picture is here in this chapter. And he, he uses the, the picture of the heart to describe his whole self. It's all that I am. In the Bible, our heart's not just our emotions. Our heart is the center of who we are. It's who you are at the core. It's, it's the seat and source of your thoughts and ideas, your loves and desires. It's the seat and source of your choices and decisions, your worship, your spirituality. Jesus says even our words and actions flow from our heart. And so what he's saying is, I gave my whole heart. I, I, I'm all in. I'm committed. I've given myself. To see what is good. And that's the key to this section. We see it at the beginning of chapter 2. We see it at the end of chapter 2. Look at chapter 2, verse 1 again. He says, enjoy yourself. Now, literally, and you may have a note about this in your Bible. Literally, what he's saying is, see what is good. To enjoy yourself is to see what is good. And then in verse 3, he just comes out and says it. I search with all my heart to see what was good. And so that's at the beginning, and then at the end, we see it again. It's, it's like a sandwich, two pieces, two pieces of bread holding the meat together. And so see what is good, see what is good, see what is good, all holding this together. And so in verse 24, again, we see to find enjoyment, which again means make your soul see good. Make your soul see good. And then in verse 26, twice he speaks of the one the one who pleases God, which literally is uh, the one who is good before God. And so the emphasis of this section is, I gave my whole self to see what is good in this life. You heard the phrase, under the heavens, under the sun, under the heavens two times, under the sun seven times. We saw last week that this describes life in this life. Life in this present world, that the dead no longer live or act or speak under the sun. And so I gave my whole heart, I gave myself to see what is good in this life. But the good is not in pleasure. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. The good's not in pleasure. The, the king gives himself to pleasure and great accomplishments. And in the process, he achieves greatness and joy. He finds joy. 
in drinking and, 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 and building and, and having many things. Yet, what's the reward for all his effort? Look at verse 11. His quest for the good fails. Everything is hevel. It's smoke. It's a striving after wind. So enjoy yourself. See what is good, verse 1. And so he looks to laughter. Laughter. It, 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 there's nothing like laughter at the end of the day to take a bad day and turn it into a good day, right? I mean, just just to turn it. I won't tell you what to turn on because I'll probably get in trouble. You turn, you know, and, and you just you start laughing, and all of a sudden your bad day becomes a good day. He turns to laughter. He turns to wine. He doesn't get he doesn't get toasted, but he does feel good. It does bring him joy. He turns to riches. He turns to music. He turns to sex. You look at verse 8. It talks about, I, I gathered concubines, the delight of the sons of men. And uh, really, that's, that's, you may have a note in your Bible that says we don't really know what this word means. It's not so much we don't know what the word means. It's that we don't want to talk about it in church. And, and I know there are children in here, so I'll try to keep this uh, PG, PG-13. But um, what he says is, I surrounded myself with voluptuous women. Go look that up. He enjoyed himself every day. But what really grabs my attention is verses 4 through 6. We've seen these words before in Genesis 1 and 2. So many of these words come from Genesis 1 and 2. I planted gardens, all kinds of fruit trees, to water. There were growing trees. Twice he says, I made, I made. It's like he's trying to recreate the Garden of Eden without God. He, it's almost like he's trying to be God, create his own world, to be God over his own world. See, in Genesis 1 and 2, it's God who sees what is good. It's God who provides what is good. It's God who calls us to trust his word, his definition of what good is and what evil is but like adam and eve the king seizes autonomy just look at how many times he says i are my in this passage at least 38 times i i i i i 23 times my 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 it's all about me and so he seizes autonomy and he tries to define good for himself. He tries to find good in created things rather than the creator. This is so important to grasp. Sin isn't just doing bad things. It's turning good things into ultimate things. And that becomes a bad thing because it ruins your soul. It destroys community. It dishonors God. And so he, the king lives as if he's God. He's successful. He's in control. He collects women like their cars. He never tells himself no to anything he wants. All that my heart, anything my eyes desire, verse 10. Chocolate, uh, this case of beer, that car, this house, that woman. It didn't matter. I took whatever I wanted, whatever would bring me pleasure. And he enjoys himself. He's not miserable in all of this. He enjoys himself. All that he's accomplished brings joy in verse 10. But at the end of the day, when he 
thinks about all that he's done, all that he's accomplished, all that he's experienced. Look at verse 11. Behold, all was vanity. It's hevel. It's smoke. It disappears as soon as he grabs it. It's like striving the wind, and there's nothing to be gained under the sun. See, the good is not in pleasure and accomplishments. The good is not in wisdom. If you go back to the very beginning in chapter 1, verse 12, he says, I gave my whole self, my heart, to carefully, thoroughly examine all that's done on the earth. And his search is comprehensive, and he conducts it by wisdom, not foolishness. And yet he finds it's an unhappy business that God has given us. Why is seeking good by wisdom so miserable? The NIV says it's a heavy burden. I mean, do you understand? This seems so strange. This is in a book of the Bible. This is in a, one of the wisdom books of the Bible, right after Proverbs. So Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes is all about seeking to live wisely in God's good creation, good but often a confusing creation. And here he's saying it's so miserable. Look at verse 14. I've seen everything that's done under the sun, and behold, all's vanity and a striving after the wind. Literally says it's all vapor. It's like trying to grasp the wind. It's like the nun saying in the sound of music about Maria, you know, how do you catch a cloud and pin it down? You can't. And so, so, so like the wind is real. There's good in this life. But striving to gain it is like trying to grasp the wind, trying to hold on to it. It's like trying to pin down a cloud. You're left with empty hands. Even if you catch it, it slips away. Why? Why is seeking what is good by wisdom so frustrating? Well, he gives us two Proverbs, which is frustrating. Verse 15 and verse 18. The first one, in verse 15, he says, What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. And a proverb, you, you have to reflect on it. You have to use wisdom to understand it. And so we start to reflect on it, and we reflect on it in light of the rest of God's Word. And, and, and you know, the world, the, what, what is crooked cannot be made straight. What is lacking cannot be counted. The world has been broken by our sin and our rebellion. And life, life under the sun is incomplete. It, it, it's, this present fallen world is not all there is. And so no matter how hard you try, no matter how much you experience, how much you accomplish in this life, you can't escape the feeling that there's got to be something more. There's got to be something more. It's like trying to put together a puzzle without all the pieces. Friday night, I had John Robert and Sarah, our, our two youngest kids, uh, 10 and 9, and um, they wanted to play Blocus. And so, sure, so we get out the board, and I just take the opportunity to teach my kids that Daddy is always better. <laughs> and, I mean, I have, I have one of them in tears. I just whoop their tail over and over and over and over again. So awesome. And then they're like, but can we play the game of life? Oh, I think I can do that. So they pull out the game of life. I mean, they set it up, and we start playing. But they don't have all the pieces. 
And they don't just not only have all the pieces, but they're changing the rules and they're making up the rules as we go. And like, there's no way Daddy can win. If you're not going to play by the rules, Daddy can't win. This isn't fair. Now, go take your shower. We're not playing this anymore. Slam the board together. I didn't slam the board together, but I did make them go take the shower. We didn't finish that game. You know, the second proverb, he's like, for the, there's much, this is verse 18, for there's much wisdom, and much wisdom there's much vexation. He who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Again, we reflect on that in this quest for wisdom. It's a mixed blessing because much wisdom brings much frustration. This present, because this present world's not always going to make sense. All the pieces aren't always, you can't always find all the pieces. And the more you use wisdom and to seek for and to search for what is good in this life, the more you come away, the more aware you become of the pain and the suffering in life. The more you find that life isn't always fair. And not everyone plays by the rules. And you don't always win, even though you're the best. No one thought that was funny. See, the search, the good, it's not in wisdom. But it's not even in the benefits of wisdom over foolishness. He comes back to wisdom in chapter 2, verse 12 through 17. And he's, he's very, he affirms wisdom is better than foolishness, verses 13 and 14. The problem is, no matter how wise you are or how foolish your choice is, you can't escape death. Doesn't matter how wise you are, doesn't matter how foolish you, your choices are, everyone dies. And this leads him into despair. Look at verse 17. So I loathe life because what happens on earth seems awful to me. For all the achievements of wisdom in this life, they're smoke, they're hevel, they're like chasing the wind. And he spirals into despair as he goes back to his possessions and his achievements in verses 18 through 23. And he's like, no matter how hard I work, no matter how much I gain, no matter what I have, I die. You die. I die. Everybody dies. Everything you accomplish will be left to something else. And who knows whether they'll be a wise or a fool. And they're going to take over all the earthly results of all your hard work. It's hevel. Smoke. Some of, some of you know this. You got a grandkid. You give him like 50 bucks for Christmas. That punk goes out and buys Skittles and M&M's. $50 of Skittles, M&M's, and root beer. You know, you worked so hard to leave your children an inheritance. You've you worked all your life to build your business up. You've worked six days a week working hard to, to buy your house, to buy your beach house, to put your kids through, to, through college. You've given them all this, and now you give them the business. But within five years, they run it into the ground because they're spending all their time at the beach house and not at the business. What's the point of working your fingers to the bone if you hand over what you've worked for to someone else who never lift a finger for it? Hevel is what it is. 
It's utterly wrong. It's just not right. And we're back to the key question of Ecclesiastes. Verse 22 puts it this way. What do you get from a life of trying hard and working harder? And now he answers the question, pain and grief from dawn to dusk. Even in the night, your heart does not rest. This is hevel. It's nothing but smoke. The good's not in possessions nor achievements. The good is in the daily enjoyment of God's good gifts. Look at verse 24. The good is in the daily enjoyment of God's good gifts. There's nothing better for a person. Literally what it says is there's nothing more good. There's nothing better. There's nothing more good for a person than he should eat and drink and cause his soul to see good in his toil. That's what it means to find enjoyment, to cause your soul to see what is good. This I also saw is from the hand of God. For apart from God, who can eat? Who can have enjoyment? For the one who pleases God, the one who is good before God, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, God has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to the one who pleases God. This, this task of the wicked is also vanity and a striving after wind. See, this last verse, it echoes how the wages of sin is death and everything you've gained in your search for life and happiness is forfeited because you've missed the mark of knowing and enjoying God. You've, stri- you've, you, you, you've, you've worked so hard to gain life from, from all of your experiences and your accomplishments and all that you have in life, but you've missed the mark of knowing God and loving God and trusting God and glorifying God. This is what you were created for. And so in the end, you die. It's God's children that receive the new creation. The happiness, the joy that you've worked so hard for. This is the first joy passage in the book. We're going to find joy uh, passage. In fact, we may even sing happy, happy, joy, joy as a worship song one Sunday. We'll just go old school with some Ren and Skimpy. But it's just there's joy all through this book. And here God is central. Verses, verses 1 through 23, look at it. They don't, God's not mentioned once in verses 1 through 23. God's nowhere. It's all about me and my and I. But now God is Everywhere in these three verses, God gives the the good gifts of eating, of drinking, of of enjoying one's labor. God gives us wisdom and knowledge and joy. Verse 26, here is the key to Ecclesiastes. Make your soul see what is good. Make your soul see what is good. Pursue it on your own for, for, for yourself and it will vanish. It's all smoke. It's all striving after the wind. Instead, we receive life as a gift from God, the God who sees what is good, the God who provides what is good, the God who asks us to trust him for what is good because he wants us to enjoy what is good. But our hearts lead us to trust in the gifts of creation more than the creator. Our hearts lead us to look to the good gifts for our happiness and love and life. We think about and love and desire the gifts more than God. We, we use his gifts, but we have no use for God. The king, he's looked, to, he's looked to so many good things to gain life and secure happiness. How can you not see our culture everywhere here? 
houses. I mean, they didn't have cars, but he had horses. Women. Women who want to have sex with me, women. Money, riches, drink, food, success. Somebody called me Dr. Dr. John this morning. I, hadn't heard, I was looking for my dad, but I tell you, what, I like that. I stood a little bit taller. Y'all call me doctor. I earned it. You know? Please don't. But he's got it all, all this stuff we're looking for, we're striving for, we're working so far. I've had it all, and it's hevel. It's, a, it's, it's smoke. Every time you grab hold of it, it just slips away. It's a striving after the wind. And then comes verse 25, and verse 25 is the key. He stops trying to gain life and created things, and he acknowledges the living and true God and gives thanks to him for the gifts of life. Don't miss what happens in verse 24. He's in despair at this point. I've worked so hard. I've accomplished so much. Yet, yet, what's the point of it all? There's despair. You think your life won't change. You think you can't change. You don't see how God is with you. You don't see how God can help you. Life becomes dark and hopeless. What do you do? You can have despair because you've gained it all and, you, and it means nothing. You can be in despair because you've lost it all. Or you've lost what's most precious to you. You've lost what you love. You've lost what you trust in. You can get to despair in many ways, but what do you do when you hit bottom? Listen to verse 24. Find enjoyment. Cause your soul to see what is good. This is a command. Make your soul see what is good in God's daily gifts. Food and drink, the work of your hands. Later, he'll talk about friends. He'll talk about all kinds of things. Let me quote to you, or really I'm going to paraphrase. I'm going to change the word some of a helpful book on spiritual depression. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself rather than talking to yourself? Have you realized that most of your unhappiness is due to most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself rather than talking to yourself? And take those thoughts that come to you in the moment you wake up in the morning. Or maybe it's when you lay your head down on the pillow at night. You haven't originated them. But they're there. And they're talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday. They point out all your failures, the holes in your life. Somebody's talking. Who's talking? Your heart's talking to you. And now, here's the king in his assessment in verse 24. Instead of allowing his heart to talk to him, see, for 24 verse, 23 verses, his heart has been talking. I've followed my heart. I've listened my heart. I, I've, I've put my heart into this. His heart has been talking to him. But now he starts talking to himself. Heart, find enjoyment in God's daily gifts. Friends and food and drink and work. He's given me this life. He's given me these good gifts. So heart rejoice because who can eat? Who can enjoy anything apart from God? His heart's been depressing him. 
crushing him as he's striving to gain life. And so he stands up and he says, heart, listen to me. I'm talking to you. Listen for a moment. I'm going to speak to you. Do you do do that? Do you speak the truth of God's word into your heart? Or do you just go on listening? And here we are, this side of the cross. God's own son, Jesus, has come into our creation. Jesus comes enjoying food, enjoying drink, enjoying friends, and good work. As he works with his hands for the good of others and the glory of God, he came to accomplish the good work of salvation for us. This is good news. Because we can stop striving to gain life from food and wine and sex and work and money. We can stop trying to gain life through all of these experiences and all of these things. And we can rest as we rely on our all-sufficient Savior and provider to give us the good. Do you speak the truth of God's word into your heart? Do you stand up and cause your soul to see what is good? How do you do that? If you're worried about clothes or money or bills or work, I might go to something like Matthew chapter 6. But what really helps me is a passage like Romans chapter 8. Listen, heart, listen to God's promises. If God's for you, who can be against you? He didn't spare his own son, but he gave him up for you. Will he not, with Christ, freely give us all things? I mean, heart, you can stop thinking about how to gain happiness. You can stop loving and desiring things that aren't yours to make you happy. You can stop choosing more and more of what never satisfies. You can love and trust and worship the God who completely loves and accepts you in Christ Jesus Look to him for joy. Look, look to him for life. Because he's about his good work always in your life. And he's given you this food. And he's given you this drink. And he's given you this work. And he's given you this life. And right now your Savior Christ Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father interceding for you. And so heart... Who can separate you from the love of God in Christ? What can separate you from the love of God in Christ? Nothing, not even death. Not even death. Do you speak the truth of God's word into your heart to make your soul see what is good? We desire truth. We are all seeking for happiness Learn to speak God's promises into your heart. Be ready to speak God's truth into each other's lives. Let us cause our hearts to see what is good. May we see what is good as we find enjoyment in God's daily gifts. Let's pray. Father, would you turn our hearts away from created things and turn our hearts towards you this morning? Turn our hearts to you to find hope and happiness, strength and security. God, some of us are in despair because our lives seem like they're falling apart. God, God, lead us to you. 
that we might pour out our hearts to you, knowing that you are present, knowing that you promise to never leave us nor forsake us, knowing that you have promised your love and your life, and there's not anything, not even death, that can separate us from you and give us joy. Some of us, God, we, we kind of got it all. Life is good. Turn our hearts to, to gratitude, to see that every good thing comes from you. Our wives, our children, our jobs, our paychecks, our clothes. My new Lululemon dress pants that I can't wear because they're too tight. It all comes from you, God. Thank you. Thank you for these good gifts. In your holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Bayside Baptist Church located in Virginia Beach. Feel free to make copies of this message to pass along to others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about our church, please visit us online at www.baysidebc.org.